The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Reuters News. If you look at inflation around the world, um, it's gone up everywhere. Um, in the United States, wage growth has gone up more than it has in Europe. And that suggests that labor markets are tighter um, than they are in Europe. Welcome to The Exchange, the podcast where Reuters Breaking Views columnists speak with people of interest to business and financial professionals around the world. I'm Ben Wink, the United States columnist at Reuters Breaking Views, and I'm coming to you from Washington, D.C. In this week's episode, I chatted with Jason Furman, a professor of economic policy at Harvard University and former chair of the Council of Economic Advisors under President Barack Obama. During Furman's tenure at the White House, economists largely agreed that low unemployment lifts inflation and vice versa. The decades-old theory has since been turned on its head. Inflation has cooled down from its summer highs, yet unemployment fell in January to a 56-year low. Some data suggests that the nationwide worker shortage is now a permanent feature of the U.S. economy and will linger even after inflation returns to more normal levels. Many countries are dealing with similar labor shortages and high inflation. As the United States continues to recover, the dueling trends are set to bring benefits and new risks. Furman and I discuss why it's been so hard for businesses to keep hiring and what policies could keep unemployment at historic lows. Give it a listen. Uh, hi, Jason. Thanks so much for being here. So on the surface, the U.S. job market looks remarkably strong. Unemployment is the lowest since 1969, and job creation is also running pretty hot. But there's still twice as many job openings as there are workers to fill them in the U.S. And that's created this phenomenon that we've seen since 2021 and uh, called kind of colloquially the, the U.S. labor shortage. So I'm wondering how that current situation differs from the labor market that we had right before the pandemic hit the U.S. Yeah, the labor market now is extraordinary. We've never seen anything like this. If you just looked at the unemployment rate at 3.4% right now, it looks a lot like it did um, prior to COVID. But the number of job openings is higher than they were prior to COVID. So there's nearly two job openings for every unemployed worker. Part of that reflects what continues to be very, very strong demand in the economy. Um, consumers, for example, are spending about 2% above the level you would expect them to spend at, which is actually quite a lot of extra spending. The other part of it um, is the supply, and particularly the supply of workers, um, with some workers effectively being missing. Um, the biggest sources of that are a lot of immigration that didn't happen, also um, the premature deaths due to COVID. Um, many of those people were not working, but, but many of them were. Um, and then also the ratio of the population that's working is still a bit below what you would have expected um, it would be, maybe due to people retiring prematurely, but it's not completely clear. Gotcha. So when you were working in the Obama administration and on the uh, National Economic Council, what was the conventional thinking around unemployment and its relationship to inflation? So that's the other thing that's very different now compared to what we had right before the pandemic. Yes, the unemployment rate was very low in, in both instances, but inflation today is far higher than it was back in early 2020 and, and 2019. The main economic theory of inflation for 60 years has been when the unemployment rate goes up, inflation goes down and vice versa. When the unemployment rate goes down, 
inflation um, goes up. That's a relationship called the Phillips curve. Economists had increasingly been thinking that the Phillips curve was very flat, which is to say, even if the unemployment rate goes down, inflation will go up, but it'll go up by just a really tiny little amount. Um, that was the conventional view. Now, there were two strands of thinking that some people tapped into earlier on that did help understand uh, and make sense of what has happened since. Um, one was that you couldn't just look at the unemployment rate. You had to also look at things like how many jobs are opening, how many quits there are, um, and other measures of the labor market. And you saw people like when she was Fed chair um, 10 years ago, Janet Yellen would look at those types of measures. Um, those measures were flashing warning signs about inflation in a way the unemployment rate was not. Um, the second thing is some people were focused on that, um, you know, what economists, the jargon would be nonlinearity. But what that means is places where a small change in one aspect of the economy can lead to a large change in the other. So it might be you can lower unemployment, lower, lower, lower it, and then you get to some place and you try to lower it anymore and you, inflation just takes off. Um, you know, I don't know if I completely believe that theory, but that's another possibility. And it was something economists had in the back of their heads. But the main thing most economists had in their heads is you can lower unemployment a lot without worrying a lot about inflation. Um, and that may have been wrong. Mm -hmm. And so looking at this, this worker shortage, I mean, job openings are still so high, despite the fact that the Federal Reserve has been raising interest rates, trying to slow the economy down, trying to cool off demand. Yet there's still so much demand for, for workers, especially in sectors like the restaurant industry, uh, hotel industry. And so this labor shortage that we thought might have just been a one-off temporary event back in 2021, it's, it's stuck around now. Do you think that's a new normal? Do you think it's a structural part of this pandemic and, and post-pandemic era economy? Or do you think we're still working through a pandemic era one-off or this this odd episode that is eventually going to fade away. So on the, is this a pandemic era one-off? I think that excuse is wearing increasingly thin. I think we're much closer to what the long run situation of our economy looks like than we are to the situation in say, you know, the summer of 2020 or even the summer of 2021 when COVID was rampant, lots of people weren't vaccinated, people hadn't, tests weren't widely available, and schools and daycare were closed, and people were getting extraordinary support from the government. So, you know, maybe there are some lingering things associated with COVID, but um, I think they're very, uh, you know, I think most of it is what it's going to be like for the next 10 years of our lives. Um, as opposed to some special situation. Um, in answer to your first question, you know, the Fed has tightened at a, a most rapid rate in decades, but the economy is still really strong. What's going on? Um, I think the best interpretation of that is two things were happening at the same time. One is there was a really big fiscal expansion. The government sent people checks. It spent a lot of money. Um, that totaled 25% of the economy, $5 trillion. And that has an effect on the economy with long and variable lags. And so it helped the economy some in 2020 and 2021, 
but mostly people saved the money then. They didn't really have anything to spend it on. And so they had a lot of money to spend in 2022. And so the fiscal support for the economy was actually continuing to push up both jobs, job openings, and inflation. Um, at the same time, monetary policy was tightening, but that also has long and variable lags, and not all of it kicked in in the year um, 2022. And you can see this in the data, because if you look at GDP, consumer spending was very strong. That was fueled by the fiscal support for the economy. And housing um, was very weak, and that was hurt a lot by um, the rising mortgage rates, hurt on purpose by the Fed. And so as far as the way the labor force looked before the pandemic, and we, the pandemic hits, and it's largely those service jobs that were, were cut off, right? It's, it was restaurant workers who no longer had people coming to dine. That was movie theaters that people just weren't going out to see movies, so they laid people off. What sort of permanent shifts in the makeup of the workforce as well as what we're seeing and who's getting the biggest raises right now. Where do you think the biggest changes have, have emerged and where do you think there's still some change to be seen? You know, I don't know the answer um, to that question. Now, first of all, just to understand the workforce is sort of 99.5% the same as what it was before. When we look at things like the labor force participation rate or the missing workers, we're talking about numbers like one half of 1% of um, workers. So most, you know, mostly things actually haven't changed and people are doing similar jobs to what they were doing before. Um, how people are doing their jobs has changed some with, for example, a shift to work from home and away um, from working in the office. You know, the employment rate for men has not fully recovered while for women it has. I don't know that that's due to the pandemic. That's unfortunately what's happened in every recession um, in the last 60 years, is that men got jobs back, but not back to all the way where they were prior to um, the recession hitting. So um, there's some patterns, but I actually think the most important thing is that, you know, by and large, things are roughly the same. Yes, it's it's the the workforce that looks very similar, but this labor demand that we're seeing is very different to what we had in, in 2018 and 2019, correct? Yes, absolutely. It is the highest we've ever recorded uh, number of job openings and the highest we've ever recorded ratio of job openings to unemployed workers. Now, is that trend, this pervasive shortage of workers, is that something that is just happening in the U.S. or is it something we're seeing in other advanced economies like high inflation? You know, are they are they tied, or do you think what's going on in the U.S. is is sort of unique to this country? Right. In most advanced economies, the unemployment rate is towards the low end of its range for the last 50 years, or even at the lowest it's been um, in the last 50 years. We don't, lots of other countries don't measure their job openings um, in the as well as the United States does, or don't measure them as all, but there, uh, there's a private company indeed, you've seen their ads, uh, they can help you, maybe they've helped you uh, or somebody listening to this find a job, um, and indeed reports the number of job openings in different countries, and they show it's gone up everywhere. Um, broadly, it appears to have gone up more in the United States, but it's it's tricky um, to understand how to compare that. Um, if you look at inflation around the world, um, it's gone up everywhere. Um, in the United States, wage growth has gone up more than it has in Europe, and that suggests that labor markets are tighter um, than they are in Europe. So there's you know similarities and differences, as you might imagine, across countries. Mm -hmm. 
And now just like how every country is, is dealing with its own unique kind of inflation and where it's showing up, what, what categories are seeing the biggest price hikes, central banks around the world are also kind of going about this inflation fight differently. And I wanted to focus on what the Federal Reserve is doing. You mentioned earlier, we had this historic tightening cycle with dramatic interest rate hikes um, that have been happening for, for nearly a full year now. You know, there's this debate whether the Fed should keep raising rates to fight inflation or, or stop raising rates in hopes of not damaging the labor market too much, right? Not, leading, not driving this jump in unemployment. At the moment, it seems like we're getting both. Inflation has been cooling off. And from the latest jobs report, we're still adding plenty of jobs every month and unemployment is very low. So do you think it's still possible to, to achieve both, to get that, that soft landing? Or do you think one of these things is going to have to give? The answer to any question about the economy that begins with, is it possible, is always yes. Um, that's especially true now because just so much is happening in such unpredictable and weird ways that anything could happen. Now, if you ask me whether a soft landing where the inflation rate comes down without the unemployment rate going up very much is probable, then my answer would be, unfortunately, no. Um, we've never seen it happen historically that inflation just fades away without um, the unemployment rate rising. Um, inflation has a lot of momentum. Wages are going up at a rate that is consistent with the inflation rate being about um, three and a half or 4% right now. There are some things that are coming down the pike that'll help bring inflation down, like um, rents for houses are, are, are slowing. Uh, but there's other things moving in um, the other direction as well, for example, medical costs. So um, broadly, I'm hoping for a soft landing, um, but it's not what I'm expecting. And I don't think the Fed can conduct its policy just based on what it hopes will happen. Can you walk me through the sort of calculus that goes on both at the Fed, granted, you know, that's you're more familiar with, with the chatter that goes on in the White House, but the sort of calculus that goes on when they're debating whether to, to raise rates and, and potentially harm the labor market, and then also on the fiscal side, does this extremely resilient labor market make it more difficult to, to go about policymaking? Or can they just sort of expect, oh, we can do you know, whatever, we can raise interest rates, we can spend more on, on certain programs, because clearly the job market is doing just fine. Right. So, you know, in terms of hopes, the thing you'd hope would happen is wage growth stays high, price growth slows down. And we have a transfer in income from businesses away from profits to workers um, and towards wages. Um, I think that could happen. I'd love that to happen, but I wouldn't make my policy assuming that happens because we've never really seen that on a large scale on a sustained basis. And we could also have a big explosion of productivity growth that could justify um, those wage gains while bringing down inflation. So there are some scenarios here that the Fed and the White House are, are looking for um, and hoping for. But in the Fed, I think you have to think not just what's the best case, but what's the expected case and what's the bad case. And um, for them, it's not inflation versus jobs. It's that you can't have a sustainable labor market without inflation being under control. That yeah, maybe things are okay this year, but it can't last. And that the longer you wait to do something about inflation, 
the costlier it is to do something about it. So it might end up being a choice of a shallow recession now versus a deep recession, you know, two years from now. So I think the Fed is very, very concerned about jobs. And that's why, precisely why they're trying to be so tough on inflation. Mm-hmm. And, and I think you're kind of hinting at sort of comparison to what the Fed had to do in the 1980s, right? Which is, you know, you don't want to declare victory against inflation too early because that can lead it to just spike again and, and you have the same problem all over. Um, can you walk me through sort of what happened with the labor market in the 80s when inflation proved so difficult to get under control and, and why we really don't want to see that happen today? In the 1980s, inflation expectations um, rose quite a lot. And we had you know, a wage price spiral or wage price persistence, different people use different words for it, where inflation just took on a life of its own and was sort of on autopilot, continuing at a high rate. And Paul Volcker came in as Fed chair. He raised interest rates quite a lot. He raised unemployment quite a lot. And he brought that inflation down. And I agree with the many people that think um, that, yes, that was painful in the short run, but it helped set the stage for you know, lower unemployment for the next um, 25 years and that it was, it was worth doing. Um, what we're seeing now has similarities to that, but you want to divide everything by three relative to what you experienced then. So it is not as much inflation then. So anyone who says we're back to the 70s in terms of inflation is scaremongering. But also no one is talking about a recession as deep as the one in the 1980s either. No one, I don't know anyone that thinks we need 10% or should have 10% unemployment to bring inflation down. That's what we had um, in the early 80s. And um, same thing on interest rates. The Fed has raised rates really aggressively, um, but you know they don't look like they're going that far above five. And the, you know, back then they went, you know, above 15. So the 70s, I think, has some lessons, but I think it, um, you know, can also be a little bit overused by all sides. Um, And everyone should just take a deep breath. This isn't as bad a problem as the 70s. We also don't need to take medicine that's nearly as severe as the medicine that was taken back then. Mm -hmm. Now, you mentioned a bit earlier talking about uh, uh, immigration and the role that that played in you know, leaving us with fewer workers or, or smaller worker supply than maybe we would have liked to see as we reopen the economy. And you also just talked about uh, you know, a little while ago, uh, productivity and the role that that plays in terms of justifying higher wages, right? If, if productivity is high, then you generally don't have to worry so much about rising wages leading to inflation. I'm wondering what sort of options are there um, you know, at, the, at the policy level to shore up that labor supply? If the problem is that we have so many job openings and not enough workers, do you, do you go to, you, do you use immigration as the tool to bring in that worker supply? Are there productivity boosts maybe through automation that would, would help us out? I mean, what sort of tools are there uh, that the government could look to? So this is the problem that policymakers have, is our issues reflect a combination of demand being too high and supply being too low. We have really good tools to alter demand. The Fed raises interest rates and you know, households borrow less for spending on houses and businesses borrow less for spending 
on plants and equipment. So you can do very big things on demand and you can do them quickly. When it comes to supply, our tools are much smaller um, and much slower. So I agree with you, more immigration would be great for lots and lots of reasons um, and would be even better right now than is normally um, the case. More productivity, automation, all of that would be great, investing in infrastructure, investing in research, et cetera. Um, but most of that, except maybe immigration, um, takes a while and tends to be relatively small. And so for the most part, what the Fed, I think, is doing and has to do is say, we're going to take supply as given. It just is what it is. It'd be great if it was higher. We wish it was higher. We're going to take it as given. And we have to just demand so that the two of them are in sync and we don't have this inflation. I guess the last question I want to ask you is, and obviously there's still so much uncertainty about where the economy is heading, what the Federal Reserve is going to have to do, what's going to happen with the labor market. But if you want to look past maybe the next year or so and think about what sort of labor market is, is being set up, what the foundation is going to look like as we enter the next economic expansion, what are some of the things that, that maybe you see as very encouraging, right? We've seen wages climb quite a bit, especially for uh, in, in lower paying sectors. Um, so what do you see as most encouraging? Then maybe what do you see in the current labor market that worries you a bit about what this next expansion, what the next 10 years for the U.S. economy and the U.S. labor market might look like? So on the encouraging side, low unemployment helps make the labor market better over the long term. Um, when you're unemployed, you can lose your skills, lose your ability um, to find jobs, and it can have a very long-term impact on you. So just the low unemployment rate today means there will be more people in better shape a decade um, from now in terms of the labor market. So I think that's the most positive um, exciting thing. Um, unfortunately, I have to disagree with you a little bit on wages because wages are up a lot, but prices are up even more. And so I do think that's actually probably the, the bad side of the labor market. So employment is up, but real wages, wages adjusted for inflation are down. And you know how long it will take us to recover from that uh, decline in real wages is anyone's guess. May not happen at all. Thanks very much for your time, Jason, and thank you for tuning in. This podcast was produced by Katrina Hamlin in Hong Kong. You can hear more episodes of The Exchange on Megaphone or your favorite podcast app. Also, check out our sister podcast, The Views Room, and look us up on BreakingViews.com and on Twitter, where our handle is at BreakingViews.